live by the faith of the Son of God. So here is this dynamic. You crucified with Christ. It's no longer you. It's now the life of Christ that is living in you. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Not you. You came to an end. Now it's the life of Christ. Now the next verse says in Galatians 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness, if this oneness, if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. It says, if you being crucified and it no longer being you, but it being Christ in you, if that came by virtue of the law and, and, and legalism and your performance, then there was no reason why Jesus, there would be no reason for the sacrifice of Christ. Then Christ died in vain. What is it saying? It is saying a couple of things. Number one, it is saying who you are right now. It's no longer you, but it's Christ living in you. But it is also saying that, that part of the essence of righteousness is the fact that it's no longer you, but it's Christ that living in you. Why? Because the dynamic of righteousness, there are four comprehensions of righteousness that you must get a hold of. Number one, the issue of oneness with him, which is the most fundamental, and out of that, the other comprehensions come. That you are one with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Jesus, one of the things Jesus walked in heavily is he constantly said, I and the Father are one. And he, and he will not allow himself in his thinking to be separated from the Father. You and I have got to awake to righteousness. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to that oneness. Awake to the reality of that righteousness. And do not separate ourselves from him and from the life that is in us. Amen? So righteousness comprehension number one is this oneness. But then coming out of that is the fact that because of this oneness, you have his authority. You have his name. Amen? Does your head and body have the same name? Right? <laughs> right? You and him, you have the same name because of that oneness. So there is the issue of authority. It's the issue of authority. And that's very important. And then also too, coming out of that oneness, is the fact that now you are an heir of God, you are a joint heir with Christ, there is this oneness that you have, and you've got rights and privileges as a son of God. Amen? So the issue of righteousness includes rights. But in this oneness, given that as he is, so are you, you are as he is, and you are wrapped up in his holiness, washed by his blood, by virtue of that blood that has washed you and cleansed you, you are now what, by what we call in right standing with God. But what do you mean right standing with God? Right? Just as if sin has never been. Justification. Well, if, if it is just as if sin has never been, then there should be no need for guilt. There should be no need for, for condemnation. So, in, in a certain other words then, to be in right standing with God and to be, to be in that place of the righteousness of God is to be able to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt, any sense of condemnation, any sense of insecurity, any sense of inferiority, any sense of shame because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has washed you clean and the very root of sin has been destroyed. This is why he came. And where sin abounds, grace now abounds much more. You're no longer under the law, but you're under grace. Amen? You've been raised up together with Christ. So, so these things, so this is what is involved when you're talking about this, this righteousness and this oneness. Hallelujah. All right. So, that being the case, Jesus told me to John chapter 6. 
Hallelujah. John chapter 6. Praise be the name of the Lord. So, in John chapter 6, reading verse from verse 53, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus said, unless you, be con unless you consume and be part of and partake of and have a common union with the flesh, the body of the, of the Son of Man and His blood, you have no life in you. Remember, at the end of the day, it's about manifesting the life of Christ. It's no longer you, but it is Christ that liveth in you. Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 15 and 16 that when God called me from my mother's womb, here was his purpose. To reveal his son in me and that I might preach him, Christ, in me, the hope of glory, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. 1 John 4, 9 says, Herein is the love of God manifested, that he, that, that, that he might live his life through us. It is about the manifestation of that life. That's where the victory is. That's where the healing flows. Where people say, I have this kind of ministry or that kind of ministry. That life of Christ flows and deliverance flows. Healing flows. Salvation flows. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So, so Jesus said here in John 6, 53, Verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, unless you be, be totally consumed and, and sold out and, 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 and participate in and having a common union. Common union, does that sound like communion? Right? Be partake of what? The body and the blood of the Lord Jesus? Does it sound like Hebrews chapter um, 10 and verse 19? Having boldness to enter into the holiest, how? Through the blood of Jesus. By what? By a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh that was torn. Can, can you see that? Amen? We are to participate here. So he says, so he goes on to say, whoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life. Has eternal life. The nature of God. The life of God. And I will raise him up in the last day because my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. There is that oneness. As the living Father hath sent me and I live by the Father, he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Now, at the end of this day, we got to figure out, well, all right, this is all wonderful. There's total victory to the sacrifice. But what must I do? That's part of what we must do. We must become so consumed with Christ. We must become so immersed in the sacrifice of Christ that it takes us over. Where we be operating that oneness with, with everything he did in his body. With everything that his blood speaks and declares. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 43 that says. Basically it says, talk about the fact that we were sown in weakness but raised in power. Flip over there. Flip to, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 34. How many of you ever heard about the first Adam and the second Adam? 
Hmm? Who you prefer? The second, second Adam. <laughs> All right. The first Adam brought death, but the second Adam has brought life. Amen. First Corinthians 15, verse 3, 43, sorry. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, sown in weakness, this is the phrase I want, sown in weakness, raised in power. Now, man, natural man, was born in weakness. But a new man is raised in power. The natural man is born into sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so that death passed, it passed on to all men because all have sinned. So man, natural man is born into this world, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, loneliness, oppression, depression, strife, confusion, and all, a whole bunch of stuff and a, and a whole lot of limitations. Amen? A whole lot of limitations. But the new man that is born again, he is born and he is raised in power. In fact, he's not only raised in power, but first Peter chapter 1 and I think verse 5 say he's also kept by the power of God. And we know from Ephesians 1 verse 13 that he is sealed by the Holy Ghost. Now this new man, the Bible says, how this came about, you see, is because the second Adam came to undo what the devil did in the first Adam. Alright? Now, whatever the devil succeeded in doing in the first Adam, what God did in the second Adam is greater. And we must know that. By one man's offense, death came by one upon all men and so on and so forth. But by the obedience of one, righteousness has come. The Bible says um, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, For if by one man offense death reigned by one, much more, say much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of what? Righteousness. The gift of oneness with God. The gift of the authority of God. The gift of the rights and privileges of the sons of God. The gift of being free from condemnation and fear and insecurity. And to be able to stand before the Father as if sin has never been. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. Shall reign in this life because of what Jesus did. Shall reign in this life because of the sacrifice of Christ. Much more, say much more. So what the devil did in Adam... God on God, Jesus came, the Bible says, for this purpose he came to destroy the works of the devil. And where sin abound, grace abounds much more. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, so, so then, so, so I want us to capture this. This new man is raised in power. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 49 says, as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Are we not made after the image of him that created us, which is Christ himself? 
Jesus said he's the express image of the, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, that Jesus is the express image of the Father. Well, here you and I, we are born again after the image of him that created us. And Christ within us is the hope of glory. That is the very image, that he is the very essence of, our, of the life in our spirit. Now, God wants you and I to be renewed in our mind. God wants us to act on the word. And God wants us to get to the place where Christ is also formed in the area of our soul. Where the rest of our being become conformed to the image of Christ. And that's why we're still here. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But this new man is created after the heavenly, after the image of Christ himself. Now, when we, from the natural birth, we were born into this natural realm and, 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 and we had these, these limitations that came from the natural life and so on. But in Christ, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, we are born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is incorruptible. Revelation 5 verse 9 to 10 says that we've been redeemed unto God out of. Out of every town, out of every kindred, out of every nationality, out of every race, out of every gender, out of all of that, out of all these human definitions. It says in Galatians 3 and I think verse 28, that in him that we neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, born nor free. We are redeemed out of those things and we are redeemed unto God. We are kings and priests unto God. But what does that mean? What does that mean? It means then that because we are born from above, because we are, we've been raised in power, because it's the very life of Christ that is in us, then the limitations, we are no longer to be ruled by the natural life or the limitations from that life. We are to be in this arena whereby we can do all things through, through Christ that strengthens us. Paul prayed that we would know what is this exceeding great power that is in us, that is part of our inheritance. Amen? Now you see, you say, well, why is this important? Because we've got some work to do. We've got to make the enemy his footstool. We've got a work to do. The kingdom of God needs to be expanded. We've got a work to do. Which is, which is, which is um, to enforce what Jesus has accomplished. We've got a work to do. We need to manifest the life of Christ. Amen? Alright. Now, how is this going to happen? How are we going to bring that life out? How, how is this going to happen? Here's an important point. To, here's an important thing to get. Your position where you are in Christ can change whatever your conditions, whatever the conditions might be. Your position can change your condition. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What is your position? Your position is where you are in Christ. Your position is this, is not this natural life, but it is this new born again life of Christ that is in your spirit. And in fact, when it says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, and I'm going to mention that a few times, where it says, always, say always, Bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also might be made manifest. As we function in the sacrifice of Christ and what he has done. And what he has done with us in that sacrifice. And let me just throw this in here right now. In the sacrifice of Christ there is the one side of what Jesus did. 
Jesus died, buried, resurrected, etc. But then there's also what God did with us in that sacrifice. The Bible says, the Bible calls it in Colossians 2 and verse 12, calls it the faith of the operation of God. Colossians 2 verse 12 says, And you being dead in your sins, and the circumcision of your flesh, had he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. That's verse 13, sorry. Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who had raised him from the dead. Now, I don't know how God did it, but I believe the word. And I also believe that if it says that God placed you in Christ and you were crucified with him and buried with him and resurrected with him and made to sit together with him in heavenly places and the blood has been applied to your life and now God has given you the very life of Christ and authority of his name and you now have great and precious promises by which you can draw out the divine nature. If the Bible says that God did that, even before, I mean way back 2,000 years ago, if the Bible says God did that, and I said, so how did he do it? I don't understand it, but it said it was done through the faith of the operation of God. I don't know about you, but I believe God has enough faith. And if the word of God says God did that, he did that. Know ye not that of many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ? Know ye not that you were baptized, when you were baptized, that you were baptized into his death? And you were buried with him by baptism unto death? That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, you and I ought to walk in the newness of life? The old man is crucified with Christ. Isn't that right? So that henceforth we should not serve sin. I'm quoting from Romans chapter 6 verse 3 to about verse 6. What am I saying? God did that. So it is not, it is not only what God did. In terms, it's not only what Jesus did. Dead, burial, and resurrection. But it's also what God did with you in the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. It's what God did with you. You too, you and I were crucified with him. The old man, that old nature was buried with him. And so was your past. That's where you could forget those things which are behind. All things have passed away. Everything from the realm of humanity that was trying to keep you in bondage have passed away. Amen. I didn't say they don't exist. They don't exist in your spirit. Amen. And in fact, this whole working out of your salvation, this whole identification with the sacrifice of Christ, what is it all about? It's really identifying the truth that is in your spirit and, and, and living accordingly. Amen. Thinking according to the new man. Having the whole spirit of your mind renewed. To what? To the knowledge of who you are on the inside. Thinking that way. Talking that way. Acting that way. And the Bible says when you order your conversation as it is in heaven. When you order your conversation aright. When you order your conversation so that you walk upright in the gospel. Looking for the, looking for the Lord Jesus Christ who is the savior of your body. The Bible says he is able to subject everything and make it obedient and make it, make it subject to him. He's able to rise up and destroy every sickness, every disease, or anything that is rebellious against his nature. Amen? Why are we supposed to pull along the strongholds, imaginations, and these high-minded things, and so on? Why? Well, we are supposed to pull them down and bring every one of them and make them subject to what? To that life of Christ that is in us. 
And we do that with the weapons of our warfare. We do that with the blood. We do that with the name. We do that with the life of Christ. We do that with the promises of God. Amen? So you were buried with Christ. You were, you were crucified with Christ. The old nature was buried with him. The Bible says you were also raised up together with him. It also says that you were made to sit together with him in heavenly places. It also says that that blood, that blood continually washes you and cleanses you. And that that blood has reconciled everything to God's original intent and purpose. Colossians 1.20. Amen. You now have the life of Christ as your very own life. You now have the authority of his name and the promises of God. So it's not just what Jesus did, but it's what God did with you in Christ. Hallelujah. But now you see, it is very necessary that we embrace the sacrifice of Christ and recognize and exercise in that sacrifice so that our life could come forth. It is very important that we do. What if we don't? What if we do not embrace the sacrifice of Christ? What if instead of recognizing what is done in our spirit, recognizing that, that being dead to sin, we might live on to righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. What if instead we are focused just on the natural, we are focused on what we feel, we are focused on what people think, we are focused on the doctor's report, and we're looking and we are fixed, our eyes are fixed with a problem. What would happen? Instead of being engaged with what he has done and how it is in your spirit. What would happen is as it, was in, it says in Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. That they which observe lying vanities shall what? Forsake their own mercy. I mean Jonah had an opportunity there. I mean come on. Seaweed around his neck. It's smelly in there. This looked very hopeless. It's dark as ever. Right? He wasn't denying that reality. God isn't telling us that we must not be sober in our thinking and recognize what's going on. But what he is saying, we are not to engage there. What we are to do, engage with the life, engage with the sacrifice, engage with what's already done. You see, faith is not, faith is not, is not just, um, where should I, how should I put this? Um, faith is not, it's not just, it's not just, the thing that ignites faith is when you know, it's not, oh, I believe that God will do this. What I believe God is going to do. It's not that as much as it is knowing what he has already done. And, and knowing how much he yearns to bring fulfillment to what's already done. That's where faith gets, gets exciting. Amen? Hallelujah. So, so Jonah was in a rough situation. But Jonah decided, you know what? This might look rough, but I'm not going to deny my own deliverance and, my, and the mercies of God by becoming fixated with the problem. And the Bible says he began to give God thanks. Here's what happens if we do not. If we do not engage and embrace crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, all that Jesus did in his sacrifice and what he did with us. Number one, the Bible speaks in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. It says they were alienated. From the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. In other words then, here in your spirit, your spirit is pregnant with every, with the life of God, with the nature of Christ, with righteousness, with healing. It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 10 that your spirit is life because of righteousness. It is the very life of God. It is filled with all the divine healing, health and wholeness that you can ever desire. It's already in your spirit. 
Amen? But it says here in Ephesians 4 verse 18, you can have all of this life right here, but yet because of ignorance, you can be alienated from it. Because of the ignorance and the hardness and the insensitivity of their heart. So what happened then? That grace, or that grace for whatever it might be, whether it be your prosperity, whether it be your healing, whether it be your deliverance, whether it be for some reconciliation within the family, you can be alienated from that by ignorance. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, grace and peace is what? Multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of Him and of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when there's a lack of knowledge, what happened? There is, the, 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 the grace is, 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 what should I say? Squished. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So that's one consequence of not recognizing and embracing what Jesus has already done. Isaiah 5 verse 13 says, My people are gone into what? Captivity. Because they have no knowledge. In other words, the devil can hold you captive. Bondage. The Bible also teaches that, that, um, that when, you, when, you're, when you're not, you see, when you don't know what Jesus has already done, when you, know, when you don't know what is finished, when you don't recognize that he already bore my sicknesses and carried my infirmities, and I'm alive unto righteousness and by his stripes I'm healed, when you don't recognize these things specifically and own them and acknowledge them and embrace the sacrifice, when you don't do that, then your faith is ineffective. It's vain. It doesn't even have a voice. It might not be thinking right and talking right and acting right. And the Bible says, without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. Well, if faith is confidence in the sacrifice, then without confidence in what Jesus has done, it is impossible for you to please God. Amen? And then, of course, the devil, the devil can, can deceive you. The Bible speaks in Second Timothy chapter... Two and around 24 and 25. Because of the ignorance, they were snared. They were snared by the devil. The devil took advantage of them. Amen? So, so what do we, where do we have to go with this? We got to move into a place where we can have a greater comprehension and move into a place as to, of application. Application of what he has done. Now, we're going to close off this session, this section here, but let's do it in this manner. Let's, let's, let's close in this way. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And then we'll pick up here in the next session. Amen? Colossians chapter 1. In the King James. King James says, reading from verse 9, it says, For this cause also, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease for you. We do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. And that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now the Lord showed me this passage of scripture in the context of the sacrifice of Christ. So let me just lead you in a prayer and you just say this with me. Amen. Say, uh, I'm just going to substitute the sacrifice of Christ. But just follow, follow along here. Say Lord, Lord. fill me Amen. with the knowledge of the sacrifice of Christ. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that I might walk worthy of the Lord. That I might walk uprightly in the sacrifice and the gospel. And that I would be fruitful in every good work. 
and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen.